On today's Triangle Sports Take, we've got some college basketball to talk since that season is in high gear now. We're into January, uh, recording this on January the 19th, actually. I'm also going to be giving a quick little recap of The Bachelor. If you missed it, I had to watch that as a punishment, so I'm going to give a quick little recap of the episode I had to watch a few weeks ago. Uh, but to start it off, uh, we, we usually do start the show off with some quotes. This one actually is not from... Uh, any of us, it's actually a quote I'm going to re- repeat real quick. I'm actually pulling it up right now. Um, so this quote is actually from Kansas City Chiefs coach Andy Reid. Uh, he's been famous for making some funny quotes that had to do with food in the past. I mean, he is a man who looks like he uh, enjoys a good meal. Uh, but the other day, someone asked him, and they said, you know, they asked if the Chiefs still have the same championship hunger, and his quote was, If you have a piece of chocolate cake and you see another dangling in front of you, you're going to want it. That's how you feel about the Super Bowl. It is the ultimate chocolate cake. I thought that was a classic uh, quote from Andy Reid, if you know anything about him. He's at his best and his teams are at his best when he's thinking about football in terms of food. So since he already made a food comment in the playoffs, my advice, put all your money on the Kansas City Chiefs to win it all. To uh, a segment I've been looking forward to. Uh, on the very last day of the college football season, I swooped ahead of Carson and uh, took my rightful place as second place in the uh, college football pick'em challenge. So uh, that being said, I'm yet to lose a challenge. Let it be known. And Carson has taken yet another L and had to watch The Bachelor. <laughs> so, Carson, give us a quick recap of what you uh, found interesting on The Bachelor. Yeah, yeah. I, uh, I'll definitely do that since I had to do that. Yeah, so if you if you don't know, we had that uh, year-long challenge throughout the college football season. Unfortunately, I came in last. That's kind of becoming a theme here on this podcast is me coming in last in these challenges. So... Because of that, I had to watch The Bachelor, uh, made a little recap, wrote, wrote down a couple little things because I knew I'd forget it because it was a few weeks ago, um, but that was part of the punishment was I have to do a recap on this show of you know what I watched, what I thought about what I watched. Before I really get into it, first thing I want to say is I didn't realize this show was two hours until like the night before or the day of. The whole time I was thinking it was just one hour, so I wasn't very happy when I found out it was two hours I was going to have to spend watching this. Uh, so yeah, what a waste of two hours. That's kind of what my thoughts are about it. Um, but I'll just go ahead and kind of read through some notes here. You know, I've, I've tried to block out most of what I watched, uh, because it wasn't the greatest memory ever, but I'll go ahead and just kind of read through some things I wrote down here. Um, so the guy who's a bachelor is a guy named Clayton from Missouri. Apparently he played for the Seattle Seahawks. I thought that was kind of cool. I didn't know he was a former NFL player. Uh, the host, Jesse Palmer, who used to be on ESPN, now the poor guy is here hosting The Bachelor. He's really downgraded his life a little bit. Uh, Jesse Palmer and Clayton also look a lot alike, which is kind of creepy. I didn't know if they were long, uh, long-lost brothers separated at birth or something. Um, so some other stuff I have written down here. You know, some of the girls that are introducing him, one of them was quick to make a tight end joke when she was asking what position he played in football. Should have, should have seen that one coming. Uh, then there was some girl from Greenville, South Carolina, actually. I, I don't have her name. I, I think that's, Cody, that's where you went to college at, right? That's where Bob Jones was in Greenville. Yep. Yeah. Well, anyways, there's some girl from uh, 
from your college town who was on this show, and she uh, said she was previously engaged, and then starts flirting with this Clayton guy, and then she's all like, I'm not ready, I think it's too soon, and then they started talking before the whole competition thing started, so that seemed like it was cheating to me, then he pulls out this rose and gives it to her, I don't know what that means, I've never watched this show, I didn't know what the uh, significance of the rose was, but he gave her one. Then she was all like, no, I need to leave the show. I don't know. It was kind of dumb. Just a whole bunch of drama to start it off there. I'm still not entirely sure what the rose means. Um, well, you know, we'll just we'll just move forward with that. Uh, he was wearing a Duke blue suit, so I didn't really appreciate that. I thought he could do a little bit better than Duke blue, but, you know, not everyone makes the uh, best choices in life. So then they, they start having these girls come up to him like one by one, and you know, they're trying to like impress him, and then they like go in this big mansion or whatever they're all staying in. So I was just wondering, you know, how do the girls pick who goes first and last? I feel like the first couple and the last couple might have advantages over the rest of them. I don't know if they played rock, paper, scissors. They had a, a thumb war, a pillow fight. I don't know how they chose the order. Um, and then I realized there were 30 girls on this show. Which I feel like that seems kind of illegal. That feels wrong in a lot of ways, but apparently there were 30 girls uh, all fighting for one guy. Um, well, let's see. What's next here? Oh, one girl brought the ashes of her ex-boyfriends. Yes, you heard that right. What? The, the ashes of her ex-boyfriends in, like a, in a jar or something. It was her weird. Her ex-boyfriend died and she brought his ashes on the show? I guess that's what I have written down here. I don't remember every detail about it, but she said she had the ashes of her boyfriend. My immediate reaction was, call the FBI. That girl needs to be investigated. That, that was weird. That was big red flag there. Um, that's terrifying. That seemed a little sus. Yeah, yeah. That Looking at it, that might be the uh, the most sus one of them all. That, that was, I don't even have any more words for that. Um. But yeah, all the entrances were pretty crazy. Probably none crazier than that. I wrote down here, one girl brought a snake with her. And I mean, this is like a python, like six, seven foot long snake that she just had draped around her neck. Um, very weird. I just think it's kind of weird in general if a person has a snake as a pet. Um, you know, I just feel like that's kind of a red flag there. Uh, so yeah, definitely, I would, if I were him, I would stay away from the girl with the ashes and the girl with the snake. Uh, then I have written down here, this show is way too dramatic, hashtag barf. Um, so that's another page. Uh, then I, I wrote, I kind of had some ideas here. I said 30 is too many girls. Uh, that's just way too many to have. Again, it feels kind of wrong. Uh, so I said some ideas maybe to eliminate some. Uh, you could have them all go through the Wipeout obstacle course, like that great show on, uh, I think it was on ABC. Just have them play Wipeout. Last couple that are, make it through, they get to go. I uh, said so they could race some go-karts. Maybe the top couple of that one get to go through. Um, and then maybe just see who has the most annoying laugh. Some of them had some really annoying laughs. So yeah, I feel like they should be eliminated if they do. Um, but yeah, I'm just trying to you know brainstorm here and help the Bachelor out. Because let's be real, 30 is just way too many. I wrote down here some girl named Claire kind of hates him. And now the other girls hate her. One girl snitched on her. I don't really remember what all that's about. Again, this was a few weeks ago, but I wrote it down. So... I guess I thought it was important. Um, another note here, I said Clayton kisses just about every girl. I'm starting to think this guy just went on the show just so he can make out with a bunch of different girls. Um, which, I mean, I've heard worse ideas, so, you know, you do you, I guess. And then last note right here, 
they have mansion, limo, roses, you know, nice suit, nice dresses they're all dressed up in. So my question was, who is paying for this? And it better not be coming out of my taxes. I don't know who pays for all this, but there's a lot of expensive stuff going on. Uh, and really, that's all the notes I have written down. I don't know if you guys have any questions for me or anything else you would like to add. I think that was a great recap. Yeah, I think that's pretty good. Pretty, yeah. Thank you, thank you. I, uh, I tried my best, and I'm hoping to never have to watch that show ever again. <laughs> probably wise. All right, so we are probably past the halfway point of college basketball at this point. Conference play has gotten going and everything. So uh, we're just going to each kind of talk a little bit about our teams, how the season's going, how we think it's going to go from here. So Cody said he wanted to start with the crappiest team first, so he said he would volunteer to go for NC State. So, Cody, just go ahead and give us some thoughts on that. Well, not a whole lot to say positive. Um, Darion Sebron has been quite a good player for us this year, but he's really our lone bright spot. Terquavian Smith seems to have some potential. He's had a couple big games, but overall – severely lacking consistency. I mean, you have no idea what you're getting out of him. Jericho Helms was supposed to be an anchor, and he really has not been good. Um, to me, I see this as Keats' last season. Um, oh, wow. I don't, I don't see State bringing him back. The whole Kevin Keats is a winner <laughs> is just not panning out because you cannot tell me or convince me that Manny Bates makes you a NCAA caliber team and uh, you take him away and all of a sudden we're not even a 500 team um, one player does not make that big a difference especially not Manny Bates I know he's good but he's not that good I think a lot of this boils down to coaching we don't play defense at all I think Duke shot 58-60% against us which is just unbelievable um, we don't play defense we can't score we have no outside shooting. So, just all in all, a train wreck. Um, I see this kids last year. If they give them one more year, I'd be shocked. But they may do it out of good faith, but I, I don't see it. Wow, okay. So, calling it right now, you think this is going to be it for Keats, huh? I think this is it for Keats, unless he somehow has a big run at the end of the year to show he can coach. But if we finish 500 or less and get bounced in the first or second round of the ACC tournament, I think this is it. Okay. Yeah, and um, like I mentioned, we're recording this January 19th. State actually just had a game against Virginia Tech where they lost, uh, missed a three at the buzzer, which I think that does put them at 9-10 and 10 overall. So right now they are under 500. Uh, yeah, Keith yep. is probably definitely feeling the hot seat. Uh, so, yeah, talking about Carolina, if I had one word to describe how they've been so far, that would be bipolar. Uh, you never really know which team is going to show up. And they they were a little bit like this last year as far as just up and down, up and down. But I feel like so far it's been even more so this year. You know, they've had some games that they've looked good. They've had some games that they look like they, you know, have never touched a basketball before in their life. Really, the most recent game, which just happened the other night, they lost to Miami by 28, I think. And that was one of the worst performances I've ever seen from a Carolina team. Maybe the worst. Uh, I don't know. Maybe I'm overacting a little bit. But it it was definitely you know top five, top three worst games I've ever seen them play, uh, and before that they you know had a pretty good win over Georgia Tech, pretty good win over Virginia. Uh, a few weeks back they 
kind of had a similar performance to the Miami game against Kentucky where they got blown out. Um, they they haven't really like lost to a bad team, I would say. They've lost to Miami and Notre Dame who aren't like amazing, but they're, they are near the top of the ACC as of right now. The thing that bothers me is the way they've lost games. They got blown out against Tennessee. They got destroyed against Kentucky. They got obliterated against Miami. And I think those are all pretty good teams, but like if you're the University of North Carolina, if you're the Tar Heels, you don't lose games like that that often. You know, maybe once a season, once every other season you lose a game like that, but you don't lose, you know, three games in a season like that. It it's disappointing and the thing is they still have like a month and a half left in the regular season, so I wouldn't be shocked at all if they got beat by twenty by another team like that again, but I mean, all that being said, they've they had some positives. Uh, I, I do want to say Armando Baycott has played really, really well. I think it's right now between him and uh, Banchero or Bancaro. I can't remember how you pronounce his name. Mitchell may correct me on that. But um, I think it's between those two for ACC Player of the Year. He's done really good. We need someone else to step up, though. Um, I think a lot of the rest of the season is going to be on the shoulders of Caleb Love and um, R.J. Davis. They kind of, the team kind of goes as they go because they've had some games where they just don't show up and they've had some games where they play really, really well. Um, I think R.J. Davis made like four or five threes against Georgia Tech a few days ago, but then last night against Miami, he didn't really do a whole lot and he had some really dumb turnovers. Um, And one thing I saw today, which I thought was interesting, is I'm pulling up right now this stat. So Carolina is... 9-0 9-0 at home, so they're actually undefeated at home as of right now, playing really good in the Smith Center, but in away games, in neutral site games, they're 3-5. and five. So if you want to be a really good team, you've got to learn how to win away from home. You know, I do like that they're defending home court, that's good, but they've got to step it up and play better on the road. Because just like Carson said, you got to win on the road, and um, this new team has lost every single one of their, uh, or every single one of their lost maybe, uh Florida State and Ohio State all on the road, um, and I feel like a, the sign of a of a of a not I'm trying to think how to say it, a team that's not quite matured yet is a team you can't win on the road, and I feel like that's where Duke's at right now. Um, I feel like they, you know, they were looking pretty good going into that whole time where their whole team got COVID. Uh, every single player on the team and almost the whole coaching staff actually got. COVID get to play for like two and a half weeks um you know and they come back against Georgia Tech and they play a, a very very sloppy game um probably they won that game but probably one of the ugliest new basketball games I've seen in a while and you know it's the players understandably after you know not doing anything for probably a week and a half because of COVID two weeks and then you know you're running sprints you're shooting the ball again you're you're not going to be doing real well um, and that's kind of where they're at or where they were at and I still feel they're kind of you know coming off that um I guess last night in their overtime loss to Florida State um they uh had a guy go down to Keels I'm not sure how long it's going to be out but overall they really just got to find their find their form again after uh you know after a tough stretch of COVID and get you know get back to their Duke was shooting very very well before the whole COVID hit their team and got out of practice. I mean, but I feel like you've got to have the right mindset. I, I don't know. I mean, they're, 
I still think before COVID and their team, I thought that they had potential to go to the Final Four. Um, and I still, a part of me still thinks that maybe they could get there, but they're running out of time. Um, you know, it's, it took them a month, a month and a half to figure out how to run their offense and play as a team. And now I'm like worried that they're not going to have another, you know, a month and a half you're looking at March. And, you know, you got to have it figured out before March. So I guess my question now is, will they have enough time to figure it out before March? And also, they are not a very deep team. I mean, they're playing, you know, seven and a half guys, uh, maybe, maybe eight max if Joey Baker's getting minutes. Uh, but I will say that the, the bright spot of basketball probably the, the past four or five games has been A.J. Griffin. He's um, really emerging, honestly, a really good player. Um, he had been a bench player all year, and then Coach K put him in the starting lineup, and I think he, he dropped like 20 points. Um, I'm not sure the exact, exact stats, but definitely promising. Um, when he's on the floor in that starting five, there are five NBA players in the court for Duke, but uh, they got to figure it out. They got locked down on defense. And they seriously have got to get some rebounds. Um, Mark Williams, your seven foot man, you've got to buy some people in the post and get more rebounds, especially on the offensive end. Duke is not good at all getting offensive rebounds. Um, not sure why that is, but they've got some room to improve. Excited to see what they can do the second half of the year and uh, if they stay healthy. And uh, we'll see. Maybe they'll make a run in the tournament. Yeah, you, you make a good point there. I didn't even think about that, how Duke had that COVID pause and they haven't quite been the same since then. Um, I, I do want to ask, I, I'm a little biased, I think, between the ACC Player of the Year race right now. I would give a little edge to Baycott. Would, would, you get, would you agree with that, or do you think Bancaro has a little bit of an edge in the ACC Player of the Year race? Um, I, would say, I, I would say it's probably more so what the committee goes off of. I would say that definitely... Over the past few games, Baycott has probably been paying a little bit better than Bancaro. But over the course of the whole season, I think Bancaro played better. So it's kind of, right now, I would say it's pretty pretty tight race. And it may come down to, you know, it could be what's their overall, uh, you know, what are their stats if I have the end of the year. And if that's the case, I think it's going to be really close. I, I don't know. I wouldn't get an edge to either player right now. Because it's just, I think it's too early to tell. Um, but I guess we'll, I guess we'll find out. Yeah, yeah, and a lot of it will probably depend on how they each play in the two matchups when Carolina and Duke face each other um, here a little bit in the season. But yeah, we've uh, we had State and Duke play each other about a week ago or so. Duke won that one. State and Carolina playing soon, and then just a few weeks we'll have uh, the first Carolina Duke matchup in Chapel Hill to be Coach K's last trip to Chapel Hill. Um, I personally am planning on being in the building that night, so if I am, that'll be pretty epic. Uh, but yeah, our, our teams are going to start facing each other a little bit more often now as we're kind of getting into the important part of the season. Um, you guys have any last things to say? Do we want to give some Super Bowl picks and then go ahead and end the show? I said I think I'm good. Uh, like I said at the beginning, you, I'm, I'm not going against an Andy Reid quote comparing the Super Bowl to chocolate cake. There's no one getting in the way of that man and his chocolate cake, so... I'm riding with the Chiefs. Um, I don't know who y'all are going with, though. I uh, I watched the Rams just utterly dismantle the uh, Cardinals, and that was a uh, pretty impressive victory. Odell Beckham has really found his stride with them as like a secondary leading receiver behind Cup, and uh, 
they look scary good on defense too. Kyler Murray got nothing going. So I'm going to go with either the Rams or the Buffalo Bills. I think those are my two picks. Okay. If I had to pick one of them, I'd probably lean towards the Rams maybe as long as Stafford plays well. Yeah, they, they got some talent. A lot of probably more talent than anyone out there. So Cody going with the Rams. Mitchell, who do you think? Yeah, um, I I think I was initially in Packers, and I'm, I'm looking at the looking at the bracket here, and I do agree with Cody that Odell Beckham has kind of uh, kind of proved himself to be a force in that team, and I think it could be very tight in that uh, that semifinal game, uh, getting a Super Bowl between the Packers and the Rams, but. I, I think I think it's going to be um, the Chiefs go down, and I've got the Packers pulling it out. Okay, yeah, that'd be that'd be a good one. All right, um, I think that's all the time we have for today. So thank you to everyone for listening today. Hope you all have a great week. Yep. Thanks, guys. Bye.